From conies to cheesecake and barbecue to brunch, we all have meals that mean something special to us. This podcast takes a deep dive into the traditions, delicacies, and legends that have shaped what we know and love about food. Each week, we'll learn from a guest about how food has impacted their relationships and how they view the world. This is Season to Taste. This week on the podcast, I'm excited to welcome Ella and Josh from Happy Billy Homestead. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank Hi, you. Thanks for having us. So there's a segment um, I love to do on this show called What's Cooking? And I'm just giving you a snapshot of what you've been making or eating this week. Um, so today we're actually making some chili for uh, getting ready to watch the Browns later today and just rainy fall weather. So we're um, going to have some chili with a couple friends. Um, and then we've also like we had waffles and um, some like spicy, sweet, like barbecue sauce that we've been making. So lots of good stuff. <laughs> How about you? Nice. Yeah. Just last night I had a little chili potluck so i made chili and cornbread and some friends bought like cheesy potatoes and dessert and ice cream and we just we had a a really good time so that's been most of what i've cooked this week really haven't made um all that much else other than like some breakfast food um and this week i just bought a pork shoulder so i'm probably gonna make a bunch of uh pulled pork this week so looking forward to that are you going to smoke it or are you just going to slow roast it? Probably just going to roast it. Probably throw it in the crock pot. They gotcha. don't have a good way to uh, to smoke it, but I wish I did. Yeah. My so, friends had a new smoker, so they're smoking everything right now. Yeah, right. I can imagine. I just had um, Sloopy Q's barbecue on, and they said they made uh, smoked Sloppy Joe's a few Ooh. weeks ago, and that sounded good. Yeah. It's like in a more adult version of a sloppy Joe. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded really good. So obviously you guys um, love to grow a lot of food. And what does that look like for you guys? Um, so I think we had our first garden together. Like, I mean, well, technically our first apartment that we had, we did like container boxes of cilantro and like other Mm -hmm. so we've always been growing something um but we bought our property probably about like three and a half four years ago and um we bought it in the spring so it was hard to get a garden in that first year but we did it um and i think every year since then we've sort of just like taken note at like what worked and what didn't work and um how to grow more and how to like what worked well where and so like each year it's gotten bigger and better, even though, I mean, gardening's never perfect. So yeah. um, this year has by far been our biggest garden that we've had. It's kind of what I was thinking. It's kind of an evolving process where at first we started with maybe like the two beds. Then we're like, all right, let's go all out. Let's put in like 14 beds and a filled in garden. Mm-hmm. And yeah. next year we already got plans for uh Hugel culture and yeah. stuff like that. So it's an ever evolving process, I feel. Yeah. Sure. What kind of things do you guys grow? Um, I mean, we grow a lot of different things, the basics. So I think we had like 40 tomato plants this year, yeah. um, like maybe four or five different 
varieties. Um, we probably had like 20 pepper plants. Again, we had like a spicy bed where it was all different, like mixed spicy peppers and then um, a, a sweet pepper bed, which I mean, didn't do so well, but we had them. And then um, we grew corn and squash and pumpkins, which didn't do well this year. Um, lots of herbs. Yeah. So we did a lot of different things this year, which is both positive and negative. I think in some ways we kind of overloaded ourselves with new plants. Yeah. We were able to focus on some of the things we wanted. Mm-hmm. But in that process, we also were doing black beans and chickpeas and mm. like that, which ended up doing fairly well. And that's something I think we're going to try next year. Mm-hmm. So I think next year, maybe we condense how many different plants we're going to do and just focus a lot more on the ones that we really like. Yeah. We had like so much more space this year compared to our garden last year. Like it, we didn't just add a couple of beds. We added 10 beds this year compared to what yeah. we did last year. So yeah. we had a lot more space and I think we just got like a little overzealous and um, just like loaded it up with all sorts of just <laughs> things instead of focusing on like, okay, maybe we just try like one or two new things to us this year. But I think overall we learned a ton and yeah. um, did pretty well. So, yeah, absolutely. I know it's different for different people, but what does growing your own food mean to you guys? Um, I think that, it's a hard question to answer for me. I think about, we both grew up in small towns that were, I think, farming communities. Uh, LL grew up in North, uh, Syracuse and she lived in a population with maybe like a thousand people. And same with me. I actually grew up maybe like two hours North up around Loundville. If you're from Ohio, you probably went camping or canoeing there. That's a prominent farming community. So I think, we both grew up with backgrounds around farming mm-hmm. and it was just something that was always around, at least for me, even when I went to school in college, I had a small garden in college. And then just as I got older, it just progressing progressed. I didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy gardening and growing my own food until I started the process of doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, like my grandparents had a garden growing up. Um, my other grandparents like owned a farm and our neighbors had a really huge garden. So my parents um, do a lot of gardening now, but at the time they just grew like ornamental. So like not edible foods. Mm. Um, And our neighbor had like a humongous, like 50 by 30 garden growing up. And it was always just like fair grain game. You could go over and um, grab some stuff. And for me, growing our own food is more of like a holistic approach, like, um, to stay in touch with the food system and, um, where we grow. Cause I mean, I ultimately became interested in food through nutrition and like sports nutrition when I was a teenager, because I was playing so many sports and mm-hmm. interest has evolved towards more of a like food systems idea. And, you know, um, so much of our food that we eat, like we don't have transparency in how it's grown or where it comes from or, who's involved in the process. So for us to grow food here, get our hands dirty. And now we have a baby and for her to like be a part of that experience as she grows up and never wonder like where tomatoes come from. Like she knows that they grow on the ground. And I think um, that's kind of what it's about for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, I grew up 
with both of my grandparents and then sometimes me and my mom would garden. And so I, I have a certain appreciation for it there. And, um, I've started a little bit of, of gardening and stuff here. I just did some like herbs this summer, but hopefully in the future is going to be more, um, like bigger plants, tomatoes and stuff going forward. But yeah, that's sweet. It's interesting to hear, um, how it's different for everyone. So I think a lot of people have, um, past experiences like both you mentioned and uh, things that like influence why why you love gardening so that's awesome they're a really good, great thing to start with and kind of like get you interested in it and they're fairly easy so it's like a rewarding process it's not like some other things that are a lot more difficult and then you lose all of your hope so yeah i mean the whole process of gardening is kind of meditative in mm-hmm. some sense i mean I know for me personally, like after I get done with work, going out to the garden, spending like an hour or two, putting on my headphones, just zoning out. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I back to one of our first uh, raised beds we had. And when we first par- uh, planted carrots mm-hmm. and LL came running into the kitchen and was just so excited about actually pulling her own carrots out of the ground and how it felt and everything. Yeah. I think I ate it when it still had a whole bunch of dirt on it because (laughs) I was just like so excited. I mean, those like root vegetables, potatoes, those types of things are probably like one of my favorite. I don't know if they're my favorite to grow, but they're definitely my favorite to harvest because it's a leap of faith. Really? Like you have no idea what you're going to get until you pull it out of the ground. There's no going back once you start. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Those are fun. I think I've only done, Carrots. We did parsnips one time. Um, yeah. It was uh, one that we did this year for the first time. Very easy to grow and very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Much like a carrot, but at least you can see it above ground. Mm-hmm. And it tastes really good just with a little salt and pepper and grilled on the grill. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what did, you, what did you say what that was? Kohlrabi. Oh, kohlrabi, yeah. We had never eaten it before and we just decided to grow it on a whim. So it was kind of a fun experience to not only like watch it grow, but then also like learn what it tastes like and learn how to cook it. And um, so that's part of the fun of it all is, okay, now you grew all this stuff. Now you have to like make something with it or (laughs) preserve it or (laughs) not waste it because you know how much went into it. And I think that's another aspect of it too, is like we waste so much food in our culture and we don't have appreciation for, you know, what it took to get that food on our table in the first place. And, um, we're so separated from that process that it's easy to just throw it away. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good lesson. That's definitely something I haven't thought about as like a benefit of gardening, but that definitely is. So going on the sort of, uh, what was food like for you growing up? Um, what were you guys' favorite childhood food? I'll let you take that one first. Um, so I would probably just have to say apple pie, and that's more of a food memory because that's like one of the first things I learned to make with my grandma. And mm-hmm. um, is in my family, like I was the, I'm sort of like the ambassador of this apple pie recipe and making it now. And, um, just apple pie to me, um, 
I don't know, that evokes a lot of really great memories of my grandma and growing up and going apple picking and that whole process. So I would, I would have to say apple pie. Um, I didn't really think about this till just now, but, um, my favorite dish might be, uh, my grandpa used to make enchiladas and it was always the week after Thanksgiving, which was the, usually the OSU and the team up North game. Yeah. Since everybody was so tired of having Turkey and everything, he would make enchiladas that weekend. So I kind of associate it with all my family members coming together, us watching the game and he had both the spicy and the non-spicy version. So once you were old enough to really try the spicy <laughs> version, that's kind of put you with the adult crowd and everything like that. So coming of age through enchiladas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I'd try out to be my grandpa's enchiladas. Yeah, that's funny. That's a good one. Ella, uh, you unlocked a memory for me about apple pie. I can't remember exactly the time frame, but sometime I want to say elementary school. My dad had a friend at work that got like a ton of apples from somewhere um, and they were just like giving them out or something. So we, he had like just just bags and bags of apples. So for like two or three weeks, we had apple pie like every night. Uh, my <laughs> mom made, made two or three apple pies. So it just reminded me, I think we have a special apple pie recipe. I don't remember the significance of it, but it's. I know that we have a particular recipe for apple pie that we make all the time. So that was... A fun memory. Awesome. Sounds like a good week of dinner. I was going to say, that sounds like a normal <laughs> dinner for LL. Yeah. <laughs> is there, I mean, you mentioned the apple pie, but is there a favorite recipe you guys um, still make? Like a family recipe? Um. So tying into the garden, um, growing up, my mom in the fall would always make like homemade tomato sauce. So usually from like tomatoes from our neighbor's garden. Um, but it would just be like, my mom is a very good cook, but she didn't, she doesn't enjoy it very much. So it was like extra special that she would make this pasta sauce and like it would simmer on the stove all night long, probably cooked for like 24 hours straight. And it just felt like we crammed as many people as possible around the dinner table, like around the dining room table on a Sunday afternoon. And that those are really good memories. Like even throughout college, um, I mean, I can remember times when uh, I just went to Syracuse University, so it's pretty close to home. And we go to like Ithaca and go hiking for the day with a few friends and then drive back home and it's Sunday. So it's like stop at my parents' house for this big spaghetti dinner and um, memories where it's definitely like feeding a crowd um, and homemade tomato sauce. And um, like, you knew it was out of love because my mom really didn't like to cook that much. So. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as recipes go too, I mean, you have all your grandma's recipes mm -hmm. still that are handwritten, yeah. but don't have exact measurements where it just tells you like put in flour or yeah. put in this and that. So it's always a guessing game of trying to figure out how much of each ingredient that, or she would have different like teaspoons that were all bit up. So they weren't exactly a teaspoon anymore. Yeah. I mean, the apple pie is definitely like that. Like that's part of why I'm considered like the ambassador of the apple pie because she has a handwritten recipe and it has measurements on it. But if you make it with her measurements, like you will fail, like it will not work. <laughs> 
um, you just, so I kind of was able to convert that into actual measurements. And so now we can pass along the recipe to other people and like they could actually make it. (laughs) Josh, how about you? Um, to be honest with you, um, food exactly wasn't like a prominent staple as far as passing on recipes or anything. Mm -hmm. Until I met Laura that, I kind of got that appreciation because not exaggerating, she probably has 40 notebooks of recipes and cookbooks that she's done herself. Mm -hmm. And she kind of enlightened me to all different types of foods. I didn't even know. So if there was more of a recipe that I would follow, it'd be something that we've done recently or something that she cooks herself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't have any family staple recipes that I go to, but it'd be more things like, the tomato jam that she makes or the corn chowder that she makes every year. So it's more of like recent recipes. I feel like we're developing into our own staples and hopefully Aurora, our nine month old can uh, pass those along. Yeah, for sure. Those are good. I'm trying to think of you. You made me think of one. I, I already forgot it. We have a lot. We have a lot of recipes that, um, oh, it was the, the chili that I made was, was my mom's recipe. Um, I don't know where she got it from, but, um, it's the, it's the chili recipe that I essentially grew up on. We've, we've had it for as long as I can remember. It's like that chili recipe. So it was fun to be able to pass that along to my, um, some of my friends last night Yeah, um, for the game. I've, I've also made my. I believe it's my great great grandmother's spetzel recipe. Oh, um, right. and so that one's pretty fun. Um, had that for the first time this summer at my grandparents' house, and then my grandma sent me the recipe, and I got to make it here. So it's pretty exciting. That's a intensive uh, process, isn't it? It's a little, yeah. It it takes a little bit of work, but once you get the the groove down, it it just takes time, really. Mm-hmm. You just you make the dough on the whoops, you make the dough on the board, and then you just kind of like cut it with a knife and have it roll off, and then get away from. Uh, my problem was I took too small of a bowl or of, of a pot, and so I had to wait for most of them to come to the surface before I could put more in. Gotcha. So I had to wait a long time, but that's probably the only thing I'd change. But it's fun. It's good. Pretty simple. It reminds me of like gnocchi or something like that. Yeah. I I want to make gnocchi, but it's going to be a minute. <laughs> I feel like that one's going to be an involved process. Yeah, it is. Or at least as an observer of watching you make it, that's definitely uh, pretty intensive. Easier than some other pastas. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sticking to the, the store-bought packages right now, but <laughs> it does the job. Yeah. Um, Oh, are there any recipes you guys are like experimenting on right now? In the past few weeks, I made uh, I made crepes for actually a quality project for school. Um, I'm studying industrial engineering, so I'm in a quality and reliability engineering course, um, and we had to make we had to follow some operating procedures and then improve them. So we did crepes, and we made the crepes the first time, and then like figured out what measurements what all these parameters were best for making the best crepes. Is there anything you guys are kind of experimenting on right now? 
that's definitely <laughs> Laura's um, department. It's a loaded question because I mean, Josh mentioned all of the notebooks that I have, like that's pretty much what I do with everything that I cook. Um, I don't often cook from like an actual recipe. So it's just an idea. And then I'll write, you know, some scribbles down and then like make it a few times or see what works and what didn't work and take notes on it and improve on that to before I like actually record my recipe. Um, I'm trying to think of something that I was working on recently. Um, exact example, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I feel like I've made a lot of like banana bread recently and um, not always for the best, but I'm like always making things a different way. Just I think, cause I get bored of like, oh, I know that that's how I make corn chowder every time. And I know it's great, but like this time I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. Um, Which is a double edged sword because I've also come accustomed to her traditional corn chowder. So yeah. anytime she starts varying off that one, I get a little uh, confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like today we're making chili and um, I always, well, I uh, have an instant pot. So I start with dried beans and today mm -hmm. I put like a habanero from the garden in the instant pot with the beans. So I probably won't put like the actual habanero in the chili, but um, so that's just little things like that, that I'm like constantly like, oh, this will add a ton of flavor and um, just make things a little bit different. Yeah. I was when I was so I had to put the chili in two different crock pots because I, I made so much yesterday and I bought three cans of beans. I got two cans of uh, like mild chili beans and one can of hot beans and I put them all in in the one pot, mixed it all up and then started distributing. And we started on the small pot and then I was one of the first people to try the second pot. Um, and I started tasting them kind of like this is a little spicier than the last one. I'm still not sure, but I'm kind of convinced that all of the hot beans or most of them ended up in the larger pot of chili. Um, and none of them got scooped over somehow or all of the spice made it in there. And I'm just like, it was, it was, it was, it was great. I'm just low. Uh, I have a low spice tolerance. So I was like, hopefully this isn't all of it and all of it that's left. So I regret putting the habanero in, but I mean, to be Hopefully honest, not. when we first started dating, which was almost 10 years ago, mm -hmm. LL's uh, spice tolerance was very minimal, and I'm the exact opposite. And I think over the years, your tolerance has slowly built up to the point where, like this year, we uh, dehydrated a bunch of our spicy peppers and actually made a spicy blend of, like, what was there, cayenne, Tabasco, uh, maybe a little bit of habanero, cherry, bomb. cherry bombs, and we just made a pretty intense spice blend and we've been putting that on everything so far i feel yeah it's like a crushed red pepper but it's not just one type of pepper it's like a mix and um but that's how we use it and i've okay. just been putting it on everything and it's a great example of like why i like to grow around food because it has so much more depth of flavor than like it's not just spicy where i feel like pressure yeah just spicy like this is spicy and somehow like a little smoky even though it's not smoked and um like you can taste the pepper and the spice and it makes everything taste better but i had to like actively <laughs> train my taste buds to like spicier foods and i'd still say my tolerance is about a medium and i'm like i'm good there i don't need to keep training myself. like yeah 
I'm happy there. Um, but I, I did consciously like actively work at training my taste buds. Like I even like read how to do it and if it was even possible and stuff. And, um, it worked and I'm glad that I did it. Nice. That's cool. I've, I've gotten better over the years. I used to like not, um, not really be able to eat like buffalo wings essentially. And now I'm, I'm pretty good on those usually. Um, but like a few steps higher than that. And it, it's about when it starts trailing off. Yeah. Like I, I am vegan and I have been for a, a long time. I don't know, 13, 14, 14 years and vegetarian for six before that. So like most of my life I've been vegetarian or vegan and I've like never had real pepperoni before because when I was a kid, I was like, I hated spicy food, pepperoni. Um, and now that I make like vegan versions, of it, I'm like, man, I don't know if it tastes like pepperoni, but it tastes good. I see. So yeah. <laughs> just kind of funny example of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, who is someone you've met because of food? Uh, a lot of people. Um, recently with starting our, like we started our Instagram account for our homestead in like May. And that was just because, you know, like I said, this year we went a lot bigger and sort of got a lot more serious about it and, um, just wanted to have a way to like document everything for ourselves, but also just like to join like the community of other people doing this and learn from them and mm-hmm. try to be like transparent and sharing our experiences. And through that, we've met like a lot of local homesteaders, um, some mostly virtual, but I know, like, I know, you know, Yellowwood farm. So, I mean, we've met them and, um, we're in the middle of a seed exchange with a few people. Yeah, we're participating in, in like, it's a pretty big seed exchange that's organized through Instagram, but mm-hmm. um, connect with people from your zone. So we're connected with like two people that are from like Southern Ohio. And um, that's been really fun to just like learn about them and they're growing and then put together like packages of seeds that we grew and like saved our seeds from this year and our garden and to just know like, that they'll grow in their gardens next year. Um, and then just like going way back, I, I mean, I studied nutrition in college. So, um, just a different sort of aspect of food, met a ton of people doing really cool things and like community nutrition and like food mm-hmm. system work in Syracuse, um, and mm-hmm. worked well, in a lot of restaurants. There was a uh, local matters here in Columbus too. Yeah. Local matters here in Columbus. I worked with them. They're a nonprofit and, um, organized around just uh, food education and making food accessible for all and advocacy work. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different people there and teaching children school um, or teaching children like how to cook and about food and where it comes from like in schools. So. Neat. Yeah. Um, and a follow-up question on that. Um, how have those relationships been impactful lately? I mean, you mentioned some of it with like the sea exchange and stuff, but. I mean, I think for us, we didn't know really what we were getting into when we first started doing the homesteading thing. So having a network where you can kind of bounce questions off of or get ideas from, like I said, we saw, or we started our Google culture 
which is kind of like a constant raised bed where you put in old logs and it's constantly decomposing and adds a lot of nitrogen and nutrients to the raised bed. Mm-hmm. That was an that we actually got from a homestead in New York. Mm-hmm. And just being able to kind of get ideas and learn from other people about what to do or what to look for and stuff like that has mm-hmm. been the most beneficial for us, I feel. Yeah. And I think it's probably like a universal trait of homesteaders, but like you're always looking to like grow and do more, even though everything that we're doing is already super time consuming. Um, but we enjoy it. So it's just like, okay, what these people are doing this, like we could add that and um, just, yeah, like how to expand and grow and do more. And like yesterday we were talking about chickens and who, who knows, you know? Yeah. I think just having that network of people mm-hmm. is just key to kind of building off what you already know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. It's cool to see how those relationships have impacted you guys over time. Um, because I can, I meet so many people on the podcast and it's cool. Um, when those relationships end up being, um, you know, I can ask someone for help on a recipe. Like I just asked, um, Chris from Sloopy Q's about how I should make my, my pork shoulder coming up. So it's things like that. And I'm going to have dinner with Yellowwood Farm tonight and just like things like that. It's just, it's great that, um, these relationships have been able to go past just like the one interaction on the, the podcast. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's, um, the cool part about it too, is like everyone thinks of Instagram and social media as this like global thing, but for us, it's really connected us locally, um, like to you and, um, Yellowwood. And there's like some other small businesses as well. Um, and other homesteads just like directly in our community here locally that we've been connected to. And I think that that's, um, really cool. Like, I mean, it has also connected us globally to people doing things, but um, the whole like part of it was to join this community and it feels like, extra special that it's like actually um, something that we can like physically take part into, not just virtually. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, well, that is the end of my questions. It is now time for hot seat. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. What is your favorite food to grow? You go first. Um, this year, my favorite thing to grow is sweet potatoes. It's my our first time growing them, and um, they were really fun to dig out of the ground. I think we had like thirty pounds. Yeah, thirty pounds of sweet potatoes that At we grew. Least. So that was really exciting. Um, I'm actually gonna go. I think with a wild card that you would expect, but. We grew our own popcorn this year. It was something I've never grown before. It's got that little bit of quirkiness that I like, and it still is pretty low maintenance. So I'm going to go with the popcorn. Nice. That's a good one. I've never heard about anyone doing that. So that's sweet. Um, yeah. I also, I love roasted, um, roasted sweet, sweet potato cheese. Can't get my words out. Um, I already know the answer to this question, but chili with beans or without? With, yeah. Chili with corn or without? Um, So we don't typically put corn in chili, but I am not opposed. I'm not opposed, but if I had to choose, it'd be without. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I usually don't, but um, 
I liked it more as a kid. It's kind of you know, makes it a little sweeter. It's kind of interesting. Um, favorite Halloween candy. Um, Sour Patch Kids. Um, I'll go Twix. I think I feel like mine changes every year, though. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, and do you guys make anything on the side with your chili, like cornbread, biscuits, anything? Uh, cornbread's definitely one of our staples. Um, we usually have like avocado, like green onions, like that, that type of thing that we put on top, um, like corn chips. As I was gonna say, I usually like to do the uh, chili corn or chili cheese and chips. Nice. Uh, something like that. I need yeah, something in my chili, I feel. So like tortilla strips or something like that. Nice. Yeah, I was kicking myself last night. I got home and realized that I had bought chips and I just forgot to put them out. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, well, yeah, I'll have a lot of chips to eat this week. Well, that is the end of my questions, but thank you guys for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, Thanks I so appreciate much it. for having us. It's been really fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Season to Taste. If you enjoyed, go ahead and share it with one of your friends and tell them your favorite part. You can find me on Instagram at Season 2 Podcast. And special thanks to Adam Paddock for the music. <laughs>